What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is an on Sunday episode. That's the episode where the pastors of the church get together in a dank basement on a Monday and talk about what happened on Sunday. I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. And I'm Rob. And Rob, you had a busy week, right? Oh, Not did really? I? Did you? Yes. Okay. How was it? Dude, this week was weird, boys. We you had, mean because of the weather? We had two snow days. Oh. Yeah, I mean, that was a that was a weird one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was kind of fun. The kids went out, played with the snow, made a weird little snowman. <laughs> <picture> of, <laughs> Owen has a snowman that's like a foot high. And it just looks it looks hilarious. Um, so that was kind of weird. The kids were home. After a while, did you look at it and be like, dude, I don't know who's who. I don't know what the snowman <laughs> or Owen. He's that pale. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's that pale. Oh, How dare you? Geez. That was harsh. Forgive then, me, Owen. Um, I did not know that's what you were saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then also, obviously, throughout the week, we had, uh, you, you have made some significant changes to your preaching schedule. Mm. And our small group ministry follows your preaching schedule. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, we, we did a lot of ups and downs a little bit there, but in the end ended up, I think with a really mm-hmm. solid plan mm-hmm. that, uh, I the appreciate Lord led that. you to. I just, yeah. Um, blessed are the flexible as That's Rob right. said. <laughs> that, that was actually, <laughs> I heard that from Chuck Smith, dude. That was, was a Chuck, it Chuck Smith? Smith. That was a Chuck Smith quote. Oh, I heard it from Marty Hooper who, who probably oh, heard of course. Yeah. Dude, speaking of Chuck Smith. Yeah. On, on Friday night. We went to see, as in uh, you and Mallory, me and my wife, Mallory, went to see Jesus Revolution. Mm. Fantastic film. Go see it, everybody. I heard. I it think was it's great. Ju- I heard it was just okay. From who? I didn't hear that. I it's just wanted not, to see how you'd react. It's not a. <laughs> oh, I'm curious. I mean, it's it's definitely not. I don't know. I think it's. I think it's a really good movie. It has. It has like any movie has its issues here and there. It's a bit chaotic. I think like because it's real life. Uh, there's yeah. not like a real clean like story. There's like bits and pieces that seem out of place, but that's because life gets chaotic here and there. But I think the way that they crafted everything together and took this real life story w- of what God was doing in those days in Southern California and Orange County and and really across the country was pretty awesome to see. And it was it's just super inspiring, very gospel centered, wonderful movie. It's and it's like a lot of fun. It's funny. It's totally worth watching. I would spend the money to go see it in the movie theater. Um, so I definitely recommend you guys go see it. And mm. it's kind of it's kind of surreal <laughs> because yeah. we have a personal connection to the to the people in the in the movie, right? So it's it kind of centers around uh, the early the early days of Greg Laurie, who was our uh, you know lead pastor uh, for many years, and we worked with him. And uh, so it's it's strange. Of course, we didn't. we worked for him, Rob. <laughs> we worked for <laughs> him. The clarity here. That is true. Um, Never heard of the guy, but of course <laughs> he's a cool dude. This was many, 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 many years before, or we worked with him many, many years after. Well, uh, of course, happened, dude. So. I, mean, we, I was born in '84. No, I know. <clears throat> and uh, it's just it's just interesting to see. I, I feel like it's it's well worth uh, watching. Dude, but something funny happened is we were, we went to the Clackamas uh, Town Center. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I don't know why, but we decided to go there. So we were kind of hanging out, walking through the mall. All of a sudden, two sheriff come like walking kind of swiftly by mm. me and Mallory as we're walking. And we're like, something's going on. And then they just start running. They start breaking out into a sprint. And we're like, what wow. is happening? And we look and four sheriffs like converge on this one dude and just ta- like basically arrest the guy, pin him up against the wall and stuff. And he's kind of like me and Mallory are watching this. We were like tripping out. We thought, dude, Jeez. something's going down. I don't know what happened, but uh, that was kind of wild. That is wild. And yeah. That'd be weird to watch right after that. We just walked into the Jesus revolution <laughs> and watched the movie. Pretty interesting cast though. I didn't know. Obviously I knew that Kelsey Grammer played uh chuck smith kelsey grammar obviously from frazier and then jonathan however you say his name Rumi from the chosen Mm -hmm. um who kind of plays lonnie uh interesting character in the whole i mean the reality of the story and then obviously the movie itself but i didn't know that um this girl from father the bride kimberly williams paisley um she's married to uh, brad paisley's wife 
um, who recently was a feature on our podcast here when we recorded <laughs> he was his, yeah. his song. Um, and then Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> what is Jim Gaffigan doing in this see, movie? I don't Jim know. Gaffigan does some interesting acting roles. Yeah, Wait, that, like he is, he not every role he takes is like comedy, like you expect. He's played some pretty serious roles. Are yeah, you, you're looking at the way? IMDb or what? In like quirky yeah. indie films. Anyway, that's a, that's a, a pretty interesting cast. Um, Jim Gaffigan. I'm just afraid people are going to be like sifting back through our podcast trying to find the Brad Paisley interview now. <laughs> he wasn't oh. a good one. He wasn't featured on our podcast that's as a true. guest. He was featured as <laughs> a conversation to, just, topic. Just to be clear. We talked about his song. Don't go looking for the Brad Paisley interview that's on not the a Candy lie. Christian that's Church podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Oh, man. Yeah, Kelsey Grammer, man. That dude can act. I mean, really everyone, which is, I've seen, you know, you've probably seen a Christian film here and there and the acting is always not the best. Yeah. Uh, but the actors in this entire film were actually really, really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I think especially um, Kelsey Grammer and Jonathan Rumi, those two guys were really, really good. Um, anyways, Good movie. Go see it. It was a lot of fun. It's got a Rob recommendation. Oh, yeah. Two thumbs? <laughs> I think so. Double thumbs up Rob recommendation on that movie. Yeah, I, I was amusing uh, with a couple of people afterward because this guy texted me, was this the guy from your old church? And I'm like, yeah. And then um, uh, Steve and Renee McClarity, mm-hmm. they came up to me on Sunday and, uh, I mean, they were around in Southern California in the early seventies. So they went and experienced kind of this thing. So they saw it firsthand, cool. which is kind of fun, um, for them to be able to get a little nostalgic there for a minute. But I, I was having a conversation with a guy about it, um, Saturday. <clears throat> and I think one of the things about that movement as like a reflective meditation is like, what What was it? What made this thing happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And obviously you would think, oh, well, the Spirit of God was moving, but what was it about the Spirit of God moving? And my understanding, even from conversations, when Greg would be in a pastor meeting talking about what was happening back then, um, there was an emptiness mm. in the culture. All these young people are trying to find like, <clears throat> meaning and purpose or whatever and they're yep. looking for it in drugs and they're not, they're not finding it there. Yeah. Um but at the but when you go to the church you see like here's an older man willing to mentor younger people which whether they like that or whether they said oh we don't respect adults or not doesn't matter. Every young person is longing for someone to model. Mm. And here's a guy that's like, oh, he, I'm not finding it out there. He seems to have something that I don't have and I kind of want it. So personal relationships, a guy opening up the Bible and just teaching the Bible and, and breaking down traditions that are in the way. And I, I think, or keeping it simple, you know, keeping simple, yeah. simple music, keeping it about Christ. And then boom, all of a sudden this massive like, movement kind of happens you know but how quickly churches don't emphasize those things like just make it about relationships make it about preaching the bible and Mm -hmm. keep it simple and just straightforward about jesus and how easy it is to get lost in that you know Mm. yeah it is pretty wild because basically so lonnie chuck and lonnie meet is kind of the way things begin and lonnie frisbee was a hippie in san francisco and he gets converted and then essentially changes his life around and and dedicates his life to preaching Christ and direct and connecting with a community that was not being connected with very well. These hippies who were looked on very poorly by traditional Christians. Um, anyways, did he invent the Frisbee? Is that part of the story? (laughs) No. Does that come up at all? No. No. Because the hippies invented Frisbees, didn't they? (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of a, no. I think they invented the hacky sack. Maybe I should watch the. Maybe I should watch the movie. Yeah, the, I feel like I don't have the story. You're straight. missing the point here. I mean, the discus <laughs> had been around, okay, since Greek times. Uh, anyways, uh, before that rude interruption, <laughs> am I ruining it? Another rude interruption. We were watching this interview of Kelsey Grammer talking about it. Hey, so what do you think about the movie? And he's like, Well, I mean, you could see that or Cocaine Bear. You know. <laughs> That's true. It was funny. Like, Cocaine Bear. So good. So good. This movie about uh, a bear who literally 
breaks into cocaine and goes crazy and <laughs> eats people is right next to the sa- the theater where there's Jesus Revolution. I almost took a picture to see the Jesus signs Revolution next to cocaine each other. bear. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Anyways, the point I was trying to make is yeah, Chuck. Um, you know, in the, in the movie, and uh, you know, I'm assuming obviously this is a true story, so it happened. So he he opened his home and actually allowed Lonnie to live there for a time, and then Lonnie brought in a lot of his hippie friends, and they all started living like around Chuck's house, literally in tents. And he he eventually bought them like a house <laughs> somewhere else, and like they, they created this little like Christian just to get hippie those hippies commune. off his lawn, basically, yeah. <laughs> And uh, and so the community, get off my lawn, you hippies. The the community, the relational nature of everything was obviously at that point like at its peak. There was so much, uh, there was so much brotherhood, and and you know, which was just it was a cool thing to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, anyways, yeah. a lot of fun. Go see it. That was my week. Anyway, yeah, yeah. That's enough. Good week. That's enough yeah. for me that's, too. Yeah. Let's just get into Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I mean, I have no connection to the movie. I mean, Cocaine Bear was filmed in my hometown. <laughs> no. no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have no connection. But I was pumped well, you're, up. You're a Christian. I was pumped up yesterday. The membership meeting I thought was really yeah. fun. Oh, yeah. Getting to hang out, uh, share some good food. And when I got home, uh, my new socks had been delivered by Amazon. <laughs> wow. Which I was very pumped up about too. I'm wearing a new pair today. Nice. Um, Argyle? Uh, no, they're all famous artwork. Oh. Uh, this one's uh, Michelangelo's David. Oh, wow. So I have to be careful. If I've been Is it my, blurred? No. It's, so <laughs> if, I've been, if I've been my knee too aggressively, the, <laughs> the bottom of my pant leg starts to ride a little high. Right. On David's and thigh. it looks strange, <laughs> but wow. uh, it's a it's a great pack of socks. It's my new favorite pack of socks. A dozen yeah. of them. I played pickleball for the first time this week. Yeah, which I had I had heard all about the rave of pickleball. What about? And uh, <laughs> Never mind. I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed the game. I yep. you guys were all playing. I everybody was there already. Vince Caparelli is a legend, and he is com- competitive. So that was a fun time playing with him. Um, it was Jeremiah's birthday, right? That's mm-hmm. why we were all there. Jeremiah Newell. Uh, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, his birthday was coming. I think it was yesterday. Yeah. I yeah. believe you're correct. So happy birthday, Jeremiah. Um, and yeah, so that was, that was our week. And, but yes, I was struggling earlier in the week to wrap up. How are we going to end Exodus here? We've got, I don't know, 16 more chapters, I think is what it was. And, hey. um, yeah, 25 to 40, I guess. If you include 25, that would be 16. Um, so, yeah, but it gets really weird here in the latter part. It gets redundant of, like, here God tells them to do this, and then and then they go and do it, but they, like, repeat it word for word, basically, yeah, how the instruction yeah. was, which there is a teaching point in that that I did not get into intentionally to save it for a later day. Um, Today might be that day. I mean, like, in a sermon, you know? Like oh, you're sermon. saving it for the real deal. Ooh. Yeah, like what's the purpose? Not just this. What's weird, the purpose of the repetition? Not this weird it. podcast. Yeah, yeah a real no. sermon. You're yeah, saving it for I gotta save gotcha. some for the sermon. You know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, I I just had to think through how can we how can we get to the end of this book and not feel redundant. So in one sense, it's almost looking at these chapters topically or thematically, um, the tabernacle, the ark. Uh, the priesthood and these kinds of things. I feel like it'd probably be more helpful um, in the end. But those middle chapters, I'm really excited to get into because it's like the golden calf, Moses' face shining when yeah. he comes down yeah. from the mountain. The golden cool calf is a fun story to tell? Uh, I mean, yeah. It it's kinda, instructive. It, it is. It'll, it'll be it'll be a good chapter. I'm I'm excited about yeah, it. Yeah. Um. What's the other one there in the middle? You've got oh the command to leave Sinai, where God basically says, "Hey, you guys go, but I'm gonna stay here." And then Moses is like, "Uh, no, we're not going into the land without you." And I, anyway, it's he makes intercession for the people, and that's a great passage too. Um, yeah. So anyway, looking forward to those middle ones, but those will take us to the end. So. Anyway, I yeah. like the direction now. I was a little unsure before, but I yeah. had to think a little bit harder about it. No, that'll be good then. Um, and then for this week, we were just on that arc part. On the arc, yeah. yeah. So the arc part, 
is also has some pretty weird stuff going on. For not, sure. Not the aardvark. <laughs> The, the arc, arc part. The arc part. Of <laughs> oh, the arc part. The arc part. Because there's some weird stuff. <laughs> Do you remember that kid show? Yeah. There was like a kid's like Sesame Street maybe and there was featuring the aardvark. And I just remember that song. <laughs> you're thinking of Friends is what you're thinking. No, no, no. <laughs> no. He was an armadillo. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was the Hanukkah armadillo. The Hanukkah armadillo. Uh, anyway, so this arc part of the story uh, it's kind of odd. There's a lot of like strange concepts in there. Mm-hmm. The idea of God, I think the very idea of God limiting himself to a particular place yeah, is, I mean, you can't really, you can't really understand that because I mean, conceivably God is, though he's sort of limiting himself to it, like conceivably God never only stayed where the ark was like sure. God. Ex- I mean, if like the scriptures say like Jesus is in all things, holding all things together, you know, yeah, like yeah, God's yeah. presence, like could never really be like limited, completely yeah. limited to one place. So even though he's in this ark, this special meaning place, he's still an omnipresent God. So it's like really hard to actually kind of wrap your mind around yeah. it. You almost have to just understand what God is saying to his people, what he's saying he's doing here Mm -hmm. and not like try to put all the ideas all together at once because it gets a little, a little too confusing and tangled. But probably what we're seeing here is God's limiting himself enough to where his presence could be experienced by people in a very specific place. Um, and, uh, and then the other part that gets really weird is our first discussion question, didn't the Ark already get discovered and boxed yeah. up and placed <laughs> in uh, a government an evidence locker? Harrison yeah. Ford found it. We know this. It's a historical fact. <laughs> he went, you know, through the catacombs and then he hates rats, but he found it. <laughs> he hates rats. It's, it's what made Indiana Jones series I thought he successful. hates snakes. He hates snakes? Yeah. And rats. And rats. Okay. Actually, as, rats aren't bad. Snakes he hates. That's but right. rats are like more gross. <laughs> That's what we yeah. see, right, yeah. is uh, later on with the Ark that um, they whoever has it, what's the guy's name? He has it, and then David ends up taking it back. But his family has, has it, and the Lord blesses his house mm. for having it. So I think Harrison Ford probably thought, I want this, you know, series to be blessed, you know, so I need to, <laughs> I need to find this arc first and then yeah. stash it away. No, I'm we're totally sure joking. it was Steven Spielberg and, uh, who's the guy who created Star Wars? Lucas. George Lucas. George Lucas. <clears throat> They're the ones who wrote it. I mean, yeah, it is, but it is kind of interesting to think about. I've never really looked into, like, I've never gone through my Bible trying to trace the arc, like mm-hmm. where, you know, but uh, last night, as after our membership meeting, we were kind of decompressing after a service and a membership meeting, hanging out in Aaron's garage, and you were saying you remember the end of the Ark story. It's melted down by the Babylonians. <laughs> uh, is Rob, that correct? Rob, Rob never, was mentioning that. It's never yeah. specifically mentioned. It's not specifically but it, mentioned. It is okay. in the temple, yeah, yeah ostensibly, yeah. and then, then the as Babylonians the come destroyed. and destroy the temple, so... There's different theories, of course, about where it ends up, but the Bible doesn't explicitly say they took it, but it does say that they destroyed the temple and that they loot, they plunged. So the people looking for the ark still are assuming that they took the ark out because it was neat and special and valuable and then destroyed the temple and Mm -hmm. maybe they kept it somewhere in some king's treasury or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or they, yeah, they just took it and melted it all down took the gold, took the valuable parts of it, because what do they care about? Some religious symbol that belongs to this small little group called the Israelites, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, there is a passage of scripture, I believe it's in Daniel, where they're describing maybe Nebuchadnezzar's throne um, or uh, uh, one of the kings of Assyria or Babylon, and they're describing the throne, and it's like almost the same description as the throne of uh like Solomon and it's like, Oh dude, you guys like went in there and swooped his throne when you like overthrew through oh, him. And it was like, Oh, it's a pretty sweet throne. So anyway, it's all pretty much tied to that era of the, uh, yeah. them being conquered and then taken into exile. 
the the ark was lost in that time because we don't see it in the New Testament. It's not in the second temple. No. Um. So yeah, it was it was gone, and there was a lot of things going on. Yes. But to answer your first question about like thinking about the omnipresence of God being uh, limiting himself to a particular place and location. Mm-hmm. I think that was my point in bringing up the, the imagery of the garden of Eden. Yeah. And here's this God who exists outside of creation, who made the heavens and the earth and is above all things and um, is holding all things together. as like yeah. Colossians talks about, yeah. you know, forming them, filling them. Yeah. And yet here he is walking in the cool of the, of the day with Adam. Like, I, you know, it's both like, well, as an earlier sermon, transcendent and imminent, right? Like mm-hmm. he's beyond our comprehension and yet he's nearer than we can imagine, you know? Um, hmm. But uh, getting the, that mysterious category, because how does that all that work? I don't really know, but I just <laughs> affirm both of those yeah. paradoxical truths together. Um, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you, you remember the movie Aladdin where the genie was like, phenomenal cosmic Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Except he's not omnipresent, right? I mean, he's no, 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 no. limited in that, in that spot, um, where yeah, God is everywhere. But I, I think I made maybe a passing comment in the second service or first service. Like if you can't accept this mystery or this mm-hmm. idea, then you will struggle to understand the incarnation. Yeah. Um, the eternal son of God becoming flesh and dwelling among us who at the same time, this one who by whom all things were created for him and unto him and through him and all of these sort of like prepositions that Paul talks about and Romans and Colossians and all these things mm-hmm. um, is at the same time limited in a, in a space and a time yeah. in history and that being in of itself an amazing sort of idea that we only have to accept as the reality, um, but at the same time, it's still a mystery. How yeah. I don't know how all that works, and hopefully in heaven we'll figure it out. But God's essentially showing these categories even early on. <laughs> yeah, that and, His presence will go with His people in a particular mm-hmm. way. Yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. This oh, is new. Like we see it in the burning bush. God, in which we call like a representation or a manifestation of, of theophany, God, the theophany, right? We see this in the, in the pillar and in the flame. Mm-hmm. So like the presence of God, we even saw it in the last text we look at as they see the, the feet of God, so to speak, or what mm-hmm. he's standing on. Yeah. But of course that's not, so that's the thing is like God is omnipresent, but he also is able to manifest himself into, sure. these, into these particular spaces. Ways, spaces this one's yeah. kind of unique because he calls them to make something with their own hands. And then he afterward uh, dwells with them. And so where the burning bush, like they just look at it, you know, with the pillar of fire and all these kinds of things. Like it's just, it's happening to them versus here you see a participation. And, And then obviously that would be even greater in the incarnation, right? Where it's like, it's not just what human hands create, through instruction, this is a virgin girl giving birth to a human. It's like right. taking on flesh. And so in that sense, you're seeing this sort of like participation happening mm-hmm. earlier on and yet not fully because it's uh, a box, the work of your hands um, <laughs> versus in that, obviously when uh, Mary gave birth, it was the work of her flesh her actual mm-hmm. body, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's kind of an interesting yeah. way of thinking about it. Well, and I loved it. We were <clears> talking <throat> about this earlier, the, uh, like this idea that you can kind of look back on the Old Testament and be like, man, that sucked back then, you know? Mm. Or you can say, look how incredible this yeah. thing in the Old Testament was. And by lifting that up, then you go, and Jesus, even more incredible. Instead yeah. of like, one thing was terrible, this right. thing was good. This, lift this up, this is kind of how you were saying it. Lift, lift this up and show how good it was. And then say, now Jesus is even more elevated right. because because of that. And so I loved the ending of your discussion, you know, that this, as you were already alluding to, this is a box that has God's presence and put the tablets, God's word into it, you know, and use it to offer sacrifices 
for purification, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. Jesus comes along. For sure. And he's like, not just a box. He's right. a like real flesh and blood walking among you. And yeah. he doesn't just have God's word. Like he is speaking God's word and he is God's word. And he doesn't just, isn't just a place to go and make a temporary sacrifice. He is the last necessary sacrifice, right. you know? Um, and so like that, all that stuff becomes really, really beautiful yeah, in right. light of the ark and what the temporary function of this right. box was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were talking about that last night in, in my garage about how, uh, this, when I was in Chicago, this, the kind of main instructor, he was talking about a tendency that he sees in preachers or even just everyday people who read the Bible and they see the Old Testament and then they see what we have in Christ. And he was a little maybe crass in the way he said it, but he was like, I don't understand why people have to take a crap on the Old Testament (laughs) and make it seem like everything back then was so terrible in order to make Jesus look so good. And he sort of was like, why don't you actually show how amazing all of these things were, which would then make Jesus even more amazing. It would elevate him even higher, you know? Mm -hmm. You don't have to put these other things down in order to make Jesus look good. And so that was kind of my, like, hope when I was talking about the ark and, like, now think about that. The presence of God every single moment with his people there all the time, going before them, talking to them. Uh, or like a, a space where God would meet with Moses and talk to him and give him his word and and it would assure victory as they're marching behind the ark and the ark goes before them. I mean, that sounds amazing. And maybe you're thinking, wow, why? if only we had something like that. And it's like, yeah, we have something <laughs> a thousand times better. We have Christ. We have his spirit inside of us all the time. And I think when you do that, where you, you create this longing of, man, I, I want that. I want to be guided in my life. I want to have this presence of God uh, with me all the time. And then it's like, oh, dude, I have that. Why am I longing for something like lesser than what I already have, you know, um, or other yeah. than what I already have? So anyway, it's a little bit of a tool that I was I learned in that, in that idea. But we, we do that all the time. We put down these figures in the Old Testament David, what a loser, you know, he screwed everything up. Abraham, what a loser. It's like, I don't know. I think a lot of people like look at, elevate these guys and then show how Jesus is even greater than even, even Moses, than even Abraham, than even David. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Hebrews is doing. I was going to say, certainly that's how the Bible treats those people. For sure. The heroes of faith. Yeah. And Jesus is still greater. Yeah. 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 That is true. Um, Going back just really quick for those who are interested just to have some clarity on with regard to the Ark. So 2 Chronicles 35 is where we see that King Josiah has the Ark brought back to the temple. So this is when the whole, uh, the Jerusalem is established. Obviously the temple has been built. And then in 2 Kings 24, Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians come and besiege the city. And there we read in 2413, they carried off all the treasures of the house of the yeah, Lord. Yeah, this verse, yeah. And the treasures of the king's house and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold in the temple of the Lord, which Solomon, king of Israel, had made, as the Lord had foretold. And so essentially, All the vessels it. of gold seems pretty particular. It's, it's, it's strange, though, that they wouldn't, with how important the ark is, that they wouldn't give the ark a special mention there. But maybe that's just, yeah. I mean, that's just the way it's written. Yeah, and, and the thing is, at that point in the history of the people of God, his presence was essentially like he had left them because they had abandoned yep. him for yep. false gods. And so God was not necessarily present the way yeah. he was earlier days of, of the life of Israel. But so then, you know, people say, well, it must have been destroyed. So that's one way. There are different theories. Some people think it might actually be buried in the Temple Mount, like it was like stowed away by some of the priests and they just mm. buried it as deep as they can and now it's still there in Jerusalem just <laughs> which is funny it's a funny theory because there's like zero evidence no there's it's no. just like what if they buried it but like Jewish <laughs> I people, bet they did you know yeah like Jewish people <laughs> Orthodox Jewish people who are they don't you know they, awesome. they obviously like that idea because they still worship there um, yeah and then there's also some people who think like in the Crusades that 
that it's that the Catholics essentially took it and it's in the catacombs of the Vatican. Dude, I'll believe that. Which could be possible. <laughs> <laughs> but um, either way, the point, like you even mentioned, where it is, it doesn't matter yeah. ultimately because yeah, it's it was, not. There's no power in it. No, it was a shadow pointing us to the to the reality. Yeah, and the shadow was glorious, but the reality is even more so. For right? sure, that's the point. But. Um, but anyways, that's <sighs> yeah. just something to think about for those of you guys who want to look up those Bible. No, references. that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we, I didn't get into at all was, uh, sort of it's, it's life, the, the, the arc in regard to the life of Israel later on. Um, so like one of the famous passages with it is when, uh, Uzzah, that's right. they're, they're walking. Um, yeah, and yeah. he, the it's, it, they're doing it wrong. They're, they've got it on a cart. They're not carrying it like you would be carrying a king, right, on his throne, sitting on his throne. And he gave the instruction for the rods that would go through the rings. And instead, they weren't doing that. They put it on the cart and had it towed behind some animals, <laughs> um, which was basically like it's like property, right? Like it's an object, not yeah. a king. And so it, it's tipping over and it, is about to fall and Uzzah does this, you know, n- normal reactive thing and he goes to stop it and he touches it with his hand. This is in second Samuel six and, and he dies instantly. <laughs> and it's this weird sort of story of, Whoa, why would God do this? Wasn't he just trying to do a nice thing? And it's like, well, there's this whole disobedience thing going on in this whole situation. And really this guy suffered because of someone else's disobedience. Um, to not do it as exactly as God told him to do it, which was to carry the ark, not yeah. to tow the ark. Well, he um, should. He ought to have known. W- oh, for like, sure, as well. Like he wasn't completely ignorant of what was going on, too. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. No, I'm not saying he was a victim. No, um, but at the same time, he might have been like not the guy making the no, call. No, he, yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> he was just no there. Person, no, yeah, but anyway, there's some there's some weird. Uh, other stories related to uh, related the to the ark. It's an interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I mean that shows right that they were slowly caring less and yeah. less, right? Yeah. You know, and like, and and I get, I guess that happens all the time, right? Like, uh, you know, I uh, I recently grabbed uh, grabbed the top of my uh, what's that thing called? My cast iron Dutch <laughs> I oven. Uh-huh. I grabbed the lid of it yep. hot with my bare hand. That and it's sense. like, you never do that. Right. But, you know, you're when you're like pulling it out hot, you're careful and you have things, you know. But after a while, you're working with it and you're not really being very careful anymore. And because you cared less. And then it's like, well, I'm, I haven't burnt myself on the lid of my Dutch oven in a long time now after burning myself once, you know. Yeah. Um, you just are reminded Mm-hmm. Um, but your relationship with God, yeah, hopefully doesn't get to the spot where you're like, oh, I don't know if I have to pay that much attention anymore. I'm yeah. feeling, I'm pretty smooth here. Me and God are kind of cool now. It's like probably fine. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. You can be trivial. Um, yeah. One of the things that was interesting, again, I wasn't, I didn't feel like it was necessary. But I'm bringing it up, but what was, uh, eventually, it became somewhat of a stu- superstitious item in the life of Israel, like many other objects, right? That happened. It's like, even today, you know, you, you talk to people and they think about communion. This is a sign, right? This is just a picture of something deeper. There's not anything magical happening. And yet people get superstitious about it and they think, oh man, if I, if I don't do it, bad things are going to happen to me <laughs> or, yeah. or bad things are happening to me because I haven't been doing it or, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. They, they think that there's some mystical thing going on, superstitious thing, uh, like a lucky rabbit's foot or something like that with these signs. Mm-hmm. And with this box, they sort of felt the same way. And there was a time, I think it's in first Samuel four, um, the Israelites are fighting against the Philistines and then they grab the ark thinking that it's going to help them out, but they were misusing it. They were thinking, Oh, I got to, I remember, let's go get that ark thing and then we'll start winning. Um, and God basically was like, nah, cause you got, like you were saying earlier, God's presence had 
left that they weren't, mm. he wasn't tolerating the misuse, I guess. Um, but how, uh, anyway, they ended up losing. There was another time where, um, though God wasn't acting in that same way because of their disobedience and misuse, it was captured by the Philistines, I believe. And then it was offered to Dagon. This is in first Samuel five and six. And the next morning, I think this is in the story where, uh, that God is like fallen on its face <laughs> before the ark <laughs> yeah. and they pick it up again. And I think it falls again and it's like, Oh geez, we better get this thing out of here. You know, this yeah. thing is not, Messing it's up not our working God. for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we need to give it back to the Israelites, you know? And uh, it's a pretty interesting story. But anyway, the Ark has a really interesting colorful story. You think story, the Nazis would have known that who wanted to steal it and use it? I know. It. And then their faces got melted <laughs> off. <you know? laughs> that is in the Bible, right? So, uh, <laughs> oh, <man. clears throat> no. It's as good as true. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, one of the points you made in your sermon, which I thought was really interesting, helpful, you were talking about the specificity of God yeah. and how every little detail is accounted for. And the reason was, or one of the reasons perhaps, because... He wanted to ensure that the people of God are worshiping rightly, mm-hmm. right? Like they have mm-hmm. a very clear and more into Levit- Leviticus. He gets into even more detail about how sacrifices are to be made and what order and, and what types based on how much income you have. Like there's all these details, which we won't get into in Exodus. Um, but that kind of goes along with this. And I was thinking, um, why do you think perhaps in the new Testament, it seems to be more ambiguous with regard to the, liturgy of worship, right? Which is like the structure of worship services, the particular practices that the people of God participate in. It seems to be that there's more ambiguity. Now there is a lot of instruction, like uh-huh. we think of first Corinthians 12 through 14, perhaps there's a lot of instruction there, but even there, there's some ambiguity um, and then and, and elsewhere as well. But I'm just curious what your thoughts were, why do you think it was so specific in the Old Testament and less maybe, or am I wrong? Maybe I'm just like mm. assuming something that's not true. I don't know. It's just something that was kind of bubbling in my head. Well, it's, I, I mean, it, it certainly is true. It, it is less specific. Like For there sure. is not a specific way to build a church building you might gather in. Right. There's right. not a that's specific, true. but a lot of that also is the fact that the church building is not the same significance as the temple. No, that's yes. right. Like we, we could meet in a park. We right. could meet in a living room. Like we could, you know, there's because we is the church. The, 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 we, <laughs> yeah, we is the, the church. There is not a central spot anymore. Mm-hmm. So that like, I mean, that could be a big answer to why mm-hmm. less detail. Uh, like I've put my spirit mm-hmm. into you mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so there's less detail. Like I, I can't really change you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like your, your body's your body. Like, so I'm not going to give you details on how to change it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's God, <laughs> it's, it's spelling out the human or revealing the human tendency to do things the way that we want to do it. You know who I think about in this is Saul, King Saul. And I've, I've been talking about him lately to you guys, but Saul was a interesting guy because in the beginning he kind of had all the all the right look and he he knew what the responsibility of the king of Israel was and he had Samuel there and uh Samuel the the prophet of God and and Samuel would say hey do this okay at this time do this or don't do that and then, and then he'd be gone, and and then Saul would freak out, and then he would do kind of almost the right thing, but not exactly the way God said it. And then you you realize he's a really insecure guy. He is arrogant, um, and and he's afraid. He's operating out of fear. Um, he's afraid that the people are going to find out kind of who he really is. And anyway, all of these things. And, and, and at the end of the day, you're realizing he doesn't actually trust God. And so, but he's right there. Like he just, he does, if there's three things, do this, 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 he does one and two. Hmm. He doesn't do three. He does just one and two. Um, hey, when you, when you conquer these people, kill everybody, the animals, and don't leave anything. Like don't, don't take any, or don't take any of the gold, right? It's just as an example. He would do all of that, but he'd take the gold. It's like... And he would justify it like, oh man, I mean, no, it'll just benefit our people, you know? It's like, no, God told you to do it this way, 
And why won't you just be obedient, you know? And so in one sense, I think this sort of reveals God's understanding of people to want to worship him in their own way. And this gets into the book of Judges, where you hear the refrain constantly, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And interestingly, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, who become priests uh, later on, will offer this thing called strange fire, and God kills them as a result of that. <laughs> and uh, what that means, I don't know. And uh, But they did something <laughs> that was strange, yeah. and it was not prescribed by Weird God. Weird type right. stuff, yeah. And it's like, no, you, you don't have the right to worship God in in the way that you want to, in, or in the way that's like culturally appropriate or something like that. No, you worship in the way he's told you to worship, um, instructed you to do that. I, I just, mm. for a, like a contemporary example, I remember going to Haiti and they were like, hey, let's go to this church service. It's like down the road here. And it was like this dirt road and you walk down, it's like near this tent city. And literally all it was was just like people banging on drums and chanting things that had nothing to do with Jesus. And I'm like, this is a church worship service? Like, I don't know what this is. This seems like voodoo is what this feels like to me. This feels like, oh, this is fun music to dance to. This is like, I don't know, cool. Like, it looks cool, you know, but this ain't worship. And yet it was being sort of like, portrayed as that to this community and things like that. And it's like, yeah, you guys are not worshiping Jesus. There's no gospel. There's no communication about yeah. uh, who God is or anything like that. This is just literally just dancing and singing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Repetition stuff, you know, that's not how you worship. So anyway, that's just kind of a contemporary example of how not everything is acceptable worship. Um in regard to like a worship service or those kinds of things. Yeah. But I, I think this is less about like his, Rob's question is less about hey, Rob just walked out of the room because he answered the <laughs> phone, which is awkward. Um, <laughs> it wasn't awkward till you pointed it out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I think with Rob's question, the, the subject of worship. So if I was to go back, I said, Exodus has three sections. Um, the first section is obviously them getting out of Egypt and that, if I was to give one word to that section, it would be deliverance. Hmm. The next section, them at Sinai, the word I would give to that is law. Um, this next section, this last one, would be worship. But it's everything related to the tabernacle. But there's different facets of worship. So, like, in this, it's like the object of our worship, um, I would say, would be the conversation about the ark. The tabernacle, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks, will be like the how. How do we worship? In what ways do we worship? What elements are a part of our worship? Mm -hmm. And I think the tabernacle and the all the things inside and related to it will uh, will help us more with that discussion. So anyway, I feel like Rob's kind of jumping the gun with that question. Um, we'll, we'll get a little bit more into that. But this was more about yeah. like the object of we worship. We worship Christ. We look yeah. to Him. Um, and his presence in and among us, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it reminds me, I, can't, I wish I could remember who the author was, but I, I loved this point in a book I was reading years ago uh, where he talked about the offense people take to saying that Jesus is the way. Mm, like he yep, is yep, the way yep. for salvation. And people are offended by that idea. Like why, you know, why wouldn't God make lots of different ways mm -hmm. and he taught like he made such a good point about how god has made it clear and simple there is one way to be right with me and that's putting your faith in jesus alone that that is actually a bit of a mercy if there was a ton of different ways and we were all wandering around saying like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna live like that and i th i think this is good with god but I'm not totally sure all the time, you know, like that, that would be yep. chaos and confusion. It would and be competitive. It'd yeah. be difficult for our spirit to comprehend. It would be difficult for our emotions, our soul, our spirituality. And he's saying, you know, there's one way 
It is my way, and let me make it very clear to you. Here it is. Um, And this feels very similar, that God is saying, look, this is exactly what I want you to do. You do not need to be confused anymore. Mm -hmm. Just do this to experience my presence with you. Um, And really, that's what he's done again when we talk about the object, at least, the object, the person of Christ. He's done that again, exactly what he did with the ark. This is the place. This is the person. This is what you need to look to. It's clear. It's simple. Just follow it. Yeah. And I think the fact that God gives these instructions in a very specific way, and then we're given their response in the second half, Mm. which is they did it exactly the way God prescribed to them to, to build the ark and build the tabernacle and the priestly garments and all of these things. The result of that is at the very end of the book and the glory of God came down and was with them and dwelt with them. And, you know, it just, in it was heaven on earth is the end of <laughs> Exodus, you know? And spoiler alert. Yeah. I mean, that's, they can read ahead, you know? But it's, it is true. What do you, I mean, the question is this, what do you want? There's like the philosophical question, the existential question. What do you want? Do you want God's presence? Yes, I do. Okay. Then just do what he said to do and follow him in the way that he said to follow him. Don't come to him and say, oh God, yeah, man, I like that. Good idea. Have you considered another way? Have you thought about this though? <laughs> Um, I, I think this is maybe another good idea, God. How about we just let everybody in? That how about that? You know? How about there is no justice? Instead, everybody everybody and every dog gets to go to heaven without even like trying for mm-hmm. it or coming to you and confessing sins or you know, I like your idea, but hey, my idea, you know, it's like narcissistic and crazy and unrealistic, obviously. But that's what people do, and I think they expect God to still validate that. And then the question is, well, who's God around here? Who's the one in control of this situation? So again, what do you want? Do you want God's blessing? Then then he sets the prerogative of how things are going to uh, work in regard to worship to him. And again, how we approach him, how we come to him, it's always on his, his terms. And like you were just saying, Cody, like he's made it very easy. Very simple. Mm-hmm. Faith and Christ. <laughs> you come by faith, you just believe, and then you believe in Jesus. And that's where it gets difficult, right? Because people are like, that's too easy. That's too easy. It's like, well, yeah, it is. Isn't that awesome that God would do that? And now following Jesus isn't easy, but coming to him is just coming to the acknowledgement that you're a sinner and he's a great savior and that he's willing to forgive you of your sin and enter into a relationship with you, and that he has the ability to do that because he died and rose again from the grave. Um, Anyway, so that would be my response to those kinds of things. Yep. Now Rob's back in the room, so he's trying to reorient himself to uh, where we're at in this discussion. (laughs) I'm I'm glad you did, dude. I want those chairs. We got a delivery coming. We have some folding chairs chairs coming coming that's going to make it a lot easier to set up and tear down. Yeah. Uh, why don't we jump to those two uh, represent or the two? Um, I guess what the ark represents. You you brought up two things. Oh, God's presence, God's provision. Yeah, and which we kind of you probably already talked much about. Yeah, we did. Presence. We literally got to that while you were gone. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> I guess really, I was wondering. Are there... we didn't talk provision much? No, I mean we didn't. the example of the manna. Yeah, like how? Yeah, no, I'm talking about the mercy seat. So when you, yeah, when you said provision, you specifically were talking about the mercy of God. That the he mercy of God. He provides us with mercy. And oh, that's right. Manna's not in this one. Did you mention the that's manna? Right. We know later. I mentioned the manna in regard to what was inside the ark. The, the main function, the practical function of the ark was that it housed the tablets of stone. Yeah. Now, we do know later on that other things were added, the manna. And Aaron's rod, we learned that from Hebrews. But anyway, who cares? Yeah. At this point, it was just the stone tablets that were in there. Who yeah, cares? It was, that, was who me, that was me jumping the gun right there. Because that is that was the note, right? It says here, there's these things. Yeah. And then, like, your specific... That's funny, because I wrote it in my notes. Was what? Like, that th- those are... That 
that example is found, we know this from Hebrews, and then it says, the tablet's our main focus because it's the main focus in this. In this section. In this yeah. section. Like, and then yeah, I was, was just like, notes. yeah, the manna, right? <laughs> but I mean, the manna was just an example. Because I think when you're sitting in there, like it, obviously when you're, you guys know this, when you're preaching a sermon, there's all kinds of information that you can throw in there. But it's like, is it relevant to the main idea mm-hmm. of this text? And yeah, we have a question. What what was the practical purpose of the ark? I mean, in this text, God says, I want you to build an ark so that it can house the tablets. Yeah. And that's that's its main primary practical function. Um, I mean, it also, that's a spiritual function, right? It's like God's word inside this box. Um, but the manna came up just to answer the, the Bible nerd in the room that's going, no, no, dude, there was more than that. There was Aaron's rod. Yeah, Didn't yeah. you read Hebrews? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I did, you know, but they wouldn't have known Hebrews in the Exodus. So like, right. it's unnecessary to yeah. bring it up. But I thought, no, I'll just like indulge the nerd in the room who wants yeah. to talk about what also was in the ark. But it doesn't matter. Do well, you, let's just talk about the tablets is at this it, point. Is there ever a place in your sermon to add information because it will make the preacher look smart. Like, is that <laughs> exactly no? Is That's that exactly valuable for the congregation, though? We, like <laughs> to know the person speaking to them is really smart. Uh, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm sensing sarcasm. I definitely think, dude. I've totally done it in sermons where I'm like, I'm looking oh, back and I'm like, have. dude. I just like, I just thought that sounded smart. It didn't help. My <laughs> argument, it didn't help. I just thought that sounded smart. Dang it. Why'd I do that? Whenever I see someone <laughs> put up a PowerPoint slide or a pre- <laughs> map, teasing a map, when everyone put up, uh, puts dude, up a map. if somebody yeah, pulls, someone out, pulls a out a laser pointer <laughs> and a laser pointer, <laughs> now I know, dude. Oh my. Uh, no, so sometimes good. that stuff can be helpful. It, I mean, definitely. I think that every pastor. Should, you should walk out of there going, dude, that guy put work into that. Yeah. Yeah. Sermon, you know, like for sure. And you don't ever want to walk in there and be like, dude, that guy whipped that sermon together. He was rambling, had no coherent thought. You know, there was no mm. organization. He didn't bring in these other obvious texts. He didn't connect this thing to the gospel. Like, you know, you can you can tell if you've been a Christian for a while, you know, if somebody's winging that thing. <laughs> um, but just to... Yeah bring up information to sound smart. Like I remember listening to this sermon. I've told you guys about it. He was talking about the salt and light or the salt of the earth or something like that. And man, he made literally, it was like, he was like, let me give you 12 reasons for the salt. And he started talking about the chemical composition of salt (laughs) and like uses of salt throughout the ages and I'm just like, no one cares. <laughs> no one cares. They didn't care. You're making like the illustration, the the message, you know, like you're you're missing the point. You get to the point about the the fact that we are God God has placed us here for a particular reason. Get get to that. Don't tell me all I don't need a science lesson on salt, you know? <laughs> so it's that kind of stuff that you don't want to ever do. Yeah. preaching a sermon. So I don't know. I would have been that would have captivated me though. Salt's yeah. my favorite food. Yeah, and then you would have walked out without your soul transformed. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh man, conviction. Whether Got or me. not <laughs> people want to tell you, dude, science doesn't save anybody. Yeah. <laughs> it might <laughs> I yeah. love it, but yeah. <laughs> might excite your brain but not your soul. Um but what was important is that the testimony was in there and you did make mention mm. of like the the word of God, in a sense, is connected to the presence of God, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Like I, he doesn't distinguish his word from his character, yeah, yeah, or his nature. You know, I was thinking about Psalm thirty-eight, where he says, "Like uh, you have exalted above all things your name and your word, or uh-huh. your word above your name." It's a similar kind of idea where he's saying, "Like your character, your essence is." Is the word, and then of course you referenced John one, yeah, right. The word being Christ, who became flesh, of course, and He's the Word of God. He, and so it's interesting that that connection. I mean, that that's what He's saying. My presence is where my testimony, where my word yep. is, and yep. so, and then of course that ultimately is fulfilled in Christ. 
and then distributed to us through his written word, Mm -hmm. the scriptures. So I thought that was a really helpful connection for us now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty, it's a pretty easy Christ connection for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, as you just pointed out right there. Yep. But But you, but yeah, the provision thing, going back to that, um, the, there's a, I think God's presence and God's provision is the standout features of the ark because in the first part, it's the I will dwell with them kind of an idea. Mm-hmm. And then he gives instructions for the ark, the first thing. But then secondly, half of the description of the ark is the mercy seat and what the purpose and function of the mercy seat is. And as the sort of narration goes on with the ark, it's this mercy seat where God speaks with Moses where atonement is made and just by its very name, the mercy seat uh, says that there's something going to happen right here whereby which God's people will receive his mercy as they make atonement for their sins through the blood of these animals and sacrifices. And so anyway, the ark represented both of those things that God is both present with them and that he is merciful and willing and able to give that mercy. I mean, another thing you, works. you might, you could have highlighted though, on you don't need to, because you, those two things I think are very important and prominent. But another thing maybe the arc represents is just how extravagant or how, uh, I don't know if costly is the right word, but you know how like the, what it is made out of yeah, is yeah, yeah. also, uh, you know, helping us is communicating something about God that he is precious, right. that he is expensive expensive, so to speak, yeah, yeah, like yeah. it was costly, which we're going to get into this well, upcoming I, week. I did say all that in my, uh, in my sermon, um, because yeah, I was talking about his, the pure gold mm-hmm. is a representation of his holiness. Um, even I, I think that was where I talked about or emphasized the transportability of it. Right. Mm. Um, that God is not limited to a land space that's but right. can be carried he on. He goes with his people. He goes with his people. Before yeah. His people. I had like, I remember I had one paragraph that was sort of making these like symbolic connections between like, so what are these images communicating about God and his character? It, Oh, that was the thing. The rods were mounted underneath the ark, mm-hmm. not in the middle or above it so that the ark itself, this box would be carried yeah. above the people um, representing God as King and being carried by his people, whether Superior. that's into battle or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, so anyway. a king wouldn't be hanging under the rock. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> As they walked by. Or yeah. or towed behind animals or something like that. So anyway. Stinky oxes farting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the things that is fascinating, um, and maybe we should wrap this up soon, but I I just tried to touch in it. Maybe I, Maybe I went in the water too far on the creation account connections, but I wanted to show that God had done this before because there is the temptation to be confused and it's better to go back than to go forward to Christ right away. When I was talking about God's presence among his people, how, how is that possible? Uh, well, I could, I, again, I could have gone to Jesus, but for them, then they don't have that. So it's like, well, I need to go backwards and God already did this in mm-hmm. Eden yeah. In a unique and special way, he showed up um, with Adam, you know, the God who created all of this. He was there present in the garden in a unique and special way. And God is recreating that that opportunity or that space whereby which he can meet with his people. But now there's other things that have to happen, right? There's sacrifices and very strict instruction. Adam had one thing, don't eat that thing. And now you've got hundreds of yeah. instructions, you know, of how to worship him. And so the, the stakes have gone up higher. And, but anyway, I, I wanted to give a little nod to that, but I'm going to say more about that in the tabernacle discussion, yeah. because that's where we'll actually see the layers of the, the outer court, the inner court, and then the Holy of Holies. And that, stuff like that to me, that was helpful because I always wondered why are these cherubim on, on the mercy seat? Why are they covering right, this top? Right. And then it was like when you mentioned how this is how God barred them from re-entering Eden yeah. was by putting these angels with fiery swords, right. essentially. And of course, now Eden is lost, but the 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 box, this ark that is holding the presence of God, similarly to Eden, is is guarded 
by these cherubim, mm-hmm. but there's a way to interact mm-hmm. and not, not quite enter in, but interact, you know, and, and receive atonement, receive mercy by these sacrifices and this system that we're about to go into detail about in the coming weeks. And so that was interesting to hear, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause I always wondered about the angels with their wings covering and stuff like what, where was, where did this come from? Sure, you know? sure, sure. So, yeah, that was new for me. I mean, just in my studies, I was like, oh, geez, that's pretty fascinating. What's going on there, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, I think the phrasing, the other thing I mentioned this too, was six times in the creation story, it says, and God spoke and all these things were made and came into being. But in, in here, six things, it says, and the Lord said to Moses six times, and the seventh time, specifically these uh, four of them are in chapter 30. The Lord said to Moses, take a census of the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a basin. The Lord said to Moses, take the finest of spices. The Lord said to Moses, take sweet spices. The Lord said to Moses, call these guys Bezalel. And then the seventh time, and the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people about my Sabbath, which is interesting. Like, I mean, scholars throughout the ages have noticed that pattern. And so that's where the creation story and the connection with that here now, it's heaven on earth is coming down once again in the tabernacle. And this is where and how you relate to him and worship him as you are his sojourning people traveling into the land. Um, He's going to go with you and before you in that. Uh, But the center of the Cinnabon is (laughs) the Ark. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's what we talked about. Indeed, Very cool. Indeed. Should we keep going? Do it. Here we go. Volunteer of the week. All right. The volunteer of the week. <laughs> oh, boy. Is <laughs> Hannah Barr. Hannah Barr. Congratulations, Hannah Barr. <laughs> Hannah was... Uh, <laughs> Dang, that's a that's a long wow, that cheer. A long cheer. That, guy, that guy was excited about it. <laughs> wow! <Yeah. laughs> uh, Hannah was volunteering in youth ministry for a while, and then work made it really difficult to do that. And uh, she was just being trained for the first time this week uh, on sound and tech and uh, video. So, and- yeah, so we thought we would feature her, appreciate her, thank her for the way that she volunteers and just for the person that she is, the personality she brings to the church, um, and also highlight her because that's a great example of this place I'm serving isn't working out right now. Let me jump back into the next best place and the place right. that I maybe have some skill or some passion or yeah. uh, am just really interested in. And uh, so we appreciate that from all our volunteers. So tell Hannah that she is the volunteer of the week and thank her for everything she does mm-hmm. around the mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. All right. It's time for Bible trivia right now. All right. Bible trivia. It's going to be a quick hit. Of lots of little ones. Oh, you ready? Okay, okay. You ready? You go. ready? You ready? This I'm is a ready. this is a full Ark of the Covenant Bible quiz. Oh no! I think I got, you're gonna I get. This. I know you're gonna get most of them. Uh, do you know who commanded? Uh, who was commanded by God to make the Ark? It was like Bezalel or something like that. And no, to make it. Who? Oh, to make. Well, he commanded Moses. It's this story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But who actually made it was this guy named. Bezalel or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who was commanding me? No. All right, here we go. The, the these are easy. What was the cover of the Ark of the Covenant called? Mercy seat. Oh yeah, killing it. What is not inside the Ark of the Covenant? Aaron's rod, the tablets of the Ten Commandments, Joseph's cup, or a pot of manna? Joseph's cup. What is that? I don't know. Joseph's cup. I don't think Joseph's cup is. I don't think it's the Holy Grail. How many cherubim are on the Ark of the Covenant? Two. Oh yeah, killing it. Uh, Around which city was the Ark Ark of the Covenant circled? Oh yeah. All right, here we go. Who captured the Ark of the Covenant from the Israelites? Philistines did. Yeah, Philistines. Uh, You said this one. Which idol fell on its face before the Ark of the Covenant? Dagon. Yeah. All right, here we go. This one, you might not Dang, know. Dang, dude. You might not know this one. Okay. Where in Israel was the Ark of the Covenant for 20 years after it was returned by the enemy? Where was it? Yeah. It was in some guy's house. 
<laughs> this looks like town names to me. Yeah. Do you okay. want the do you want oh, the is multiple there, choice? Is there multiple choice? Yeah. yeah give me a multiple Here's choice. Here's your choices. Kadesh Barnea. Mm. Kush. Kiriath Jiram or Kish. I'm gonna go with Kiriath Jiram. I think it's A. Kadesh Barnea. Yeah. It is Kiriath Jiram. Did yeah. you like for real know that? I'm pretty yeah, I was pretty wow. sure of that. <laughs> I have uh, sure. never even heard of that place. <laughs> but I forget the guy's <laughs> name. I forget the guy's name. He had it I in think his it was house. Steve, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steve. Yeah. Bill. S- Steve of Kiriath. <laughs> uh, which king brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem? Oh, Josiah. You said it, yeah. Uh, uh, although there was multiple uh, back to Israel, brought it where oh, back David to Jerusalem. Did. David did, yeah. David, yeah. yeah. All right, all right, yeah. Whose oh. household? This is the one you said. I don't think you said the name. Yeah, I forget whose his name. household prospered when the Ark of the Covenant was there for three yeah. months. Three months. Steve. You want the? Do you have a multiple? Do you have a multiple choice? Yeah, there's. Yeah, give me the multiple choice. Okay, Ishi Binab. Definitely not that. <laughs> Sr Hadon. Not that. Obed Edom. Mm. Okay. Abel Mizraim or Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I mean, I, uh, I mean, I'm guessing. I'm gonna go with C though. Which was that? Obed, Obed. Edom, right? That, that is correct. Yeah, yeah nailed yeah, it. Dude, yeah, you crushed yeah. that whole quiz. That's a pretty good I one. I didn't know that. I didn't see you getting every single one, but I that, didn't was, study that was pretty that good. Part, it but. started easy, so I was trying to lull you to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's it good job yeah anything we want to highlight coming into the next uh, week see you this see you this next sunday i guess yeah, see you right. in life groups this week hopefully it doesn't snow on us yeah hopefully aaron doesn't change the topic i know oh i'm Please. not dude this, this, <laughs> this next week is all about giving you know i'm excited about that <laughs> subject i'm just kidding this will be my first ever time like having a sermon on giving in five and a half years yeah being and here. you just tanked our attendance for sunday yeah what so what pastor has ever done that <laughs> not preached a sermon on giving in five and a half years yeah Probably but from not. our member meeting we have people who've been generous and yeah. right. we're ex- excited about that so in that sense usually preaching on that's kind of fun totally when you get to say way to go everybody and then here's the principles to remember but overall it's not like Please give us yeah, more sure. money now. Well, and especially <laughs> when the text, that's literally what it's highlighting, is the generosity of God's people and those who are moved in their heart by God's generosity mm-hmm. to give um, to the tabernacle and obviously to give to the work that God is doing through his people. But anyway, yeah, it should be fun. Cool. All right. That's our closing note. Go see Jesus people. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Revolution. People. Jesus Revolution. Go see Jesus Revolution. Jesus Freaks. Go on see Rob's Jesus recommendation. Freaks. Rob, do you have a recommendation on Cocaine Bear? <laughs> um, don't see don't Cocaine see. Bear. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org.